It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. And a pleasant good afternoon to you. Welcome. It's just five minutes after the hour of 5 p.m., and we are here officially heading into the end of the week. The weekend begins, and it's day number two of the Bass Convention here at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley. Great to have you on board for tonight's program. We're going to keep you company for the next couple of hours. Got a lot of great guests that will be joining us from the Bass Convention, talk with some of the workshop leaders, get really a feel and sense for what God is doing at this annual event that is designed uniquely to inspire, connect, train, and equip soldiers and those involved in ministry here in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'll remind you, we're going to have a traffic updates for you throughout the evening. So it's wet, it's rainy out there. So if you're heading here tonight, we want to encourage you to drive safely. And, of course, keep tuned in to KFAX for traffic reports every 15 minutes throughout our program tonight. Well, it's going to be a great program here at the Bass Convention getting underway night number two. And joining us is the senior pastor of our host church, Redwood Chapel, here in Castro Valley, and the um, general convention chair for this annual Bass Convention. Great to have with us, Pastor Jeff Miller. Always good to see you. Thank you, Craig. Good to be with you. I understand the little rumor mill has it that it was an incredible evening last night, evening number one of the Bass Convention, and a lot more coming tonight. That's right. We've had a we had a great time yesterday. It started out in the morning yesterday. We had a, a pastor's workshop that happened in the morning up at Three Crosses Church. Um, Chitwood and Chitwood Associates, who do tax compliance and church compliance laws, uh, were there doing some consultation. And then we had Bishop Bob Jackson come and do an encouragement leader seminar. And uh, he's going to be back tonight. He's going to be our keynote session speaker this evening. Uh, it's at 7 o'clock in our worship center. And we're looking forward to that. And, of course, uh, tomorrow really becomes the busy day. Uh, while there have been workshops taking place throughout the day, the parking lot is pretty much packed. And we've seen people coming and going really taking advantage of a lot of the information that's available here. And one thing that strikes me, Jeff, in looking at the variety of um, vendors that are here in the exhibit hall, as well as the, what, 200-plus workshops that are offered, that it really is a cornucopia, no matter what aspect of ministry your church is involved in or that God might be leading you into. And you just want to come and get informed about ministry to uh, maybe folks that are coming here from another country or maybe ministry to the um, disabled community with an organization like Johnny and Friends. Right. There's literally something for everybody here. There really is. And uh, that's one of the fun things about Bass is we saw some church vans pull in this morning and 10 or 12 people get out of the van and they come in and register together. Then they disperse all over the campus. They go to different classes. They get different pieces of information. And then they go back to their churches and they're, they are an army. They're better equipped to go do the ministry in whatever area that God has called them, whether that's children ministry or student ministry or wherever. And folks coming from a church in Mass, you've really made it very easy for them in terms of registration, haven't you? We have. That's really been a goal of Bass for a long time, is to try to make this conference as accessible to as many people in the church as possible. So we charge per church, and depending on the size of your church depends on how much the registration cost is. So our smallest uh, churches pay $150, and they can bring as many of their volunteers as they want for the entire weekend. Unlimited access to all the workshops, general sessions, exhibit halls, everything is, uh, is part of that price. You had a passion for this going back many, many years. And so give me your insights from the perspective, not just as the general chair of sure. Bass, but also from the perspective as a pastor working here in the San Francisco Bay Area. 
What do you personally see as the real core value of an event like this for churches in the Bay? Yeah, it's funny. You know, I go back to the, I grew up here in the Bay Area, and I was part of the Bass Convention as a student out working on the barbecue um, when people were coming through to get their meals. So I got to see Bass from a different perspective. But now that I've got involved in the leadership and I'm helping to lead the convention itself, I think the real secret sauce of the convention, if you will, is the opportunity for people to come together to connect and to be inspired and to be trained so that they can go and do the work. I feel like so many of the people that come to our conference don't get the opportunity to get training from any other type of conference. They may not have the budget to go to a Nashville or to go to some national conference in Chicago or something like that. They don't have the opportunity to do that. So we bring the best conference that we can right to their back door. They can come down and be a part of it all weekend, and uh, and it's it's great encouragement to them. And I think what's unique, too, is that you offer national caliber workshops, leaders, teachers, and speakers, and yet with a very unique Bay Area flair to it. In fact, this year, I believe, and we've been coming here broadcasting from the Bass Convention, my goodness, probably uh, 20 of the last uh, 28 years or more that we've been on the air. But what's unique this year is that your three keynote speakers from last night, tonight with Bishop Bob Jackson, tomorrow morning with Pastor Brian Loritz, that you've brought in key Bay Area leadership. Was that was that intentional? It really is, and there's reason for that. There's a couple different pieces of strategy as to why we would do something like that. And I think what it comes down to is we want churches in the Bay Area to know that the Holy Spirit is moving around this area and to be encouraged by seeing the work that Renee Schlepfer is doing down in Santa Cruz, to be encouraged by seeing what Bob Jackson has been doing at Axeville Gospel Church for decades, to be encouraged by a younger, newer pastor here to the Bay Area, Brian Loritz, who's I know on KFAX Radio on a week, on a daily basis. It's a great encouragement to our churches to know that, that God is moving in significant places around the Bay Area, and it gives them energy, it gives them a passion, and it encourages them to continue on with the work that they're doing. So it's a matter of training, equipping, modeling best practices, and also providing a tremendous degree of, <clears throat> what should we call it, um, mentoring. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Those relationships are important. If you walk over to our, our food court over here, you, it's filled with round tables and people sitting there having conversation. Some of them are friends that go back decades. Some of them are people they've just met today. But that kind of relational connection that's happening around our campus is really a special part of what happens here over the weekend. So we mentioned that tonight, Bishop Bob Jackson, senior pastor, founding pastor of Axville Gospel Church in Oakland, will be bringing the keynote message that will be this right. evening here at Redwood Chapel at 7 p.m. That's open to the public, too, is it not? It is. There is a, a small cost for coming in just for the general sessions. I think it's 5 or $10 or something like that at our registration doors. But definitely we would like people to come and be a part of that. And then tomorrow really is the big day. Folks are off, and so they've got all day to be here to participate in the workshops, enjoy tomorrow morning's general session with Pastor Brian Loritz. Give us a little bit of a sampling. When we say the breadth and depth of the course offerings here, the workshops, a couple of highlights, if you would, off the top of your head. Well, uh, they start at 8 o'clock in the morning, so I don't know if that's a highlight for Saturday mornings (laughs) or not, but we'll be here with the doors open and the lights on, and we'll try to get the heat going as early as we can. I know it's a cool weekend, but, you know, really everything from international ministry, adoption ministry, foster care, um, uh, dealing with um, pastoral burnout, uh, have workshops on that, women's ministry. There's a great track. You mentioned Johnny and Friends. They're here all weekend doing a great track on ministry to, to uh, those in the disabled community. I mean, those are those are just a sampling. If you go to our website at BassConvention.org, you can download our brochure and see all the different workshops that are available. 
literally over 100 of them will be offered tomorrow beginning at 8 in the morning and going all day until about 4.30 in the afternoon. And there's still plenty of time to register. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can register online right now and come down and join us tonight, or you can register tonight and come down tomorrow morning. Or you can walk up register. If you don't like using the computer, just come up and our registration staff will help you get connected. And we're right here at 19300 Redwood Road in Castro Valley, and uh, that's conveniently, of course, to um, pretty much all the Bay Area. So 580 to 680, you can all easily get right here. Again, tonight's keynote session with Bishop Bob Jackson. That'll be at 7 p.m. And then the first workshops begin at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning and run throughout the afternoon. Details and also registration easy on the web at bassconvention.org. That's bassconvention.org. Or as Pastor Miller mentioned right here, you can register um, on site. Um, For you, the single most biggest takeaway, and you mentioned earlier you've been involved in this since Fido was a pup. Uh, and all that you've seen that's taken place here just between yesterday evening and what's happened here throughout the course of the day today and tomorrow, what's the biggest takeaway for you personally? So far it's been the folks that I have met that have not been a part of Bass in the past. And there hasn't there, there, there's always a, some that have been here for 20 years and some that have never come and it's the first time they see it. So the big takeaway for me is to see people's lights go on and say, wow, there is a great resources that are available right here for me that I can tap into, that I can get trained to do the work that I need to do, and I know that I can make connections with people um, that, I can, that I can network with throughout the year, and that's wonderful. We mentioned again the theme, Inspire, Connect, Train, and Equip, and that's exactly what takes place right here at the Bass Convention, again running today and tomorrow. Complete details and registration on the web at BassConvention.org. That's BassConvention.org. Pastor Miller, you're always a very gracious host. We appreciate you not only dropping by to give us a bit of a snapshot of what's to come today and tomorrow, but also for the great hospitality to all of the churches that come from out the San Francisco Bay Area to be a part of this great too. 243 churches, as of last check, uh, are already registered to be here with us. We've got our two more general sessions tonight at 7, tomorrow morning at 9.30. Um, love for anybody to come down and check out what's going on. All right, come down. You heard it. The invitation, 19300 Redwood Road in Castro Valley, and details on the web at bassconvention.org. And our thanks to Pastor Jeff Miller for that quick update. Speaking of quick updates, Let's head over to the KFAX Traffic Center, see what's going on. It's just about 15 minutes after the hour of 5 o'clock. And a first look at your ride to the Bass Convention with Michael Bennett in the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the program live on location. It is day number two of the Bass Convention here at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley. And uh, we'll be broadcasting throughout this evening, right up until 7 o'clock tonight at 7 p.m., Bishop Bob Jackson will be delivering the keynote message. We invite you to come on down and join us. Details about the convention online at BassConvention.org. That's BassConvention.org. Well, as you probably know, in the world of finance, we saw one of the most volatile months during March that we've seen in a very, very long time. And today we ended the week with a bit more volatility. The bow down 70 points after it 
bounced back from a 391-point loss earlier in the day. This saw news that the Trump administration would impose a 25% tariff on steel imports. Once again, demonstrating that there is a fragility to certain levels within the markets, even though we know that many aspects of the economy are very robust. We're looking at some of the, the best unemployment numbers that we've seen in a very, very long time. Much of both Main Street and Wall Street is clicking on all eight cylinders, and yet there's always that emotion of the market that can trigger sell-offs and nervousness, and oftentimes folks kind of lead with the emotion side because fear and greed typically drive how we manage our finances, and yet that's probably the worst thing to use to drive your money decisions. And this, I want to say, is applicable not only for the folks in the pews, but especially for pastors. An important degree of stewardship is so critical, and oftentimes we'll meet pastors that are struggling financially because they've just never either taken the time to learn or had anybody come alongside them and teach them how to be good stewards of the finances that God has entrusted them to, and particularly how to be good stewards of their financial future. If that was all in a vacuum, uh, it would be heartbreaking. But the good news is that there are ministry organizations that really have a heart for pastors and churches that can indeed come alongside and teach them how to be good stewards. And MMBB has been at that for more than a century now. And joining us here, microphone side, we're privileged to have once again Reverend David Hinson and our good buddy, Pastor Augie Bow. And great to see both of you guys. It's great to be here. Boy, more volatility on the markets again today, Augie. And, uh, you know, I guess for anybody that looks at this and says, gee, it, it would seem to take a Ph.D. in uh, uh, economics, politics, uh, money, trading, and all of it in order to figure it all out. And that's where organizations like yours, particularly for pastors, are so critically important. Yes. And I've been with MMBB since 1990. So I've been serving for about 28 years. And you've seen all of this and craziness. And I've seen there. a lot of the yo-yos. And one of the things that I do at workshops is draw a straight line that goes up very, very incrementally. And I say, would you like your retirement to go up this tiny bit? Or I draw like a squiggly line with the yo-yos up and down with a lot of ups and a lot of downs. But the end point is much higher. And I say, for some people, they don't want any volatility, and their funds will grow 1% from start to end. But on the other hand, you might have the big ups and some of the crashes like we've had occasionally during the last couple of decades. But if your line goes from this point at a much higher end point, most people want the higher endpoint and are willing to ignore some of the volatility. And that's what we do with MMBB. We help pastors, staff members understand retirement. And based on the preference, we actually have nine funds. For people that are really, really conservative, they can get the 1% increase every year. But for most people, they want a higher endpoint riding out some of the ups and downs. And we'll help people. We offer free and comprehensive financial planning to help our pastors and members understand what works for them and what's best in terms of the long run. And the bigger number at the end is always much better than the tinier number. There's no doubt about that. For most people. It, right. it is a matter of one's money personality and and time and patience. And, you know, speaking of the issue of time, time in terms of how long you're in, 
and the ability to kind of put the blinders on and, and not get distracted by all the noise. And this is a problem that equally we have, whether you're somebody in the pews or the pastor in the pulpit. This is a challenge for all of us to kind of um, shut out all of that side noise and be able to kind of stay on focus. And that's really a big part of what MMBB is offering is to help pastors get a plan in place and to stay on focus. That's true. One of the basic tenets of certified financial planning is that when you're in your 20s, you need to be saving at least 10% of your salary toward retirement. When you're in your 30s, you need to be saving 12%. And then when you're in your 40s, you need to be saving 15%. And if you will do that for 25, 35, 40 years, then when the time comes for you to retire, you'll be able to retire with funds that are sufficient for you to maintain your lifestyle. Uh, They also say another rule of thumb, and I like to share this with individuals, is the fact that you need to be saving between 12 and 14 times uh, your annual salary by the time you retire. So if you make $50,000 a year, you need to be saving 12 to 14 times of that when you retire, and then you'll be able to have sufficient funds as for the rest of your life. I think one of the big challenges, Augie, and you can speak to this, is not just the matter of the discipline, but understanding how all of this works. You both bring a unique background in that, Augie, you've been involved in ministry work. Mm-hmm. You went to University of California, Berkeley. Right. You're a certified financial planner. And so you've, you've, you've kind of, you kind of bring a multiplicity of not only disciplines, but understanding to the table in terms of how all of this works and how you can most effectively teach pastors how this works. There's a story, speaking of uh, your time at the University of California at Berkeley, to talk about that old concept of one that plants the seed and another that comes along and, and does the watering and God ultimately giving the increase. It's a great story, testimony to God and the ministry of KFAX. Back in the 70s, from 76 to 79, I was an undergraduate at UC Berkeley. I lived in a Spence Black dorm. I was very involved in Campus Crusade for Christ, and we were very excited about the four spiritual laws, sharing the gospel with everybody. And I invited everybody in my dorm and elsewhere to attend these evangelistic meetings. And there was a guy named Gary who attended one of the meetings. Um, He was on my floor. And a couple years ago, he was listening to my very interview here on KFAX. He remembered the name Augie Bao, which is fairly unique. He remembered that I shared with him many years ago, like 30-something years ago at UC Berkeley. And at the time, he said he wasn't interested, but life changed. He was going through some stuff. He was going through the radio dial. He heard a Christian speaker on KFAX that God really spoke to him. And he became a Christian from listening to your radio station. And he took the time out after my interview to look me up, find my email, and to send me an email thanking me for planting the seeds of the gospel message at Spence Black Dorm at UC Berkeley in the late 70s. And like the verse in Galatians where Paul says, um, I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God who created it. Amen. Growth. And I appreciate you sharing that story, not to brag on what God does through KFAX, though we're very appreciative for the Lord and how he does that, but to demonstrate to the listeners that your background is not just as a specialist in retirement planning, not just as a certified financial planner, but you get the ministry angle here. And, and I guess that there's a degree of comfort that pastors who say, you know, 
I'm a little embarrassed about the fact that I don't really understand all of this, and I've been so busy running a church that retirement planning really hasn't been on my radar screen. So to know that somebody like you and John can come alongside, uh, David rather, give, give some insights to um, how to begin structuring a financial plan and to incorporate a multiplicity of things. We talked about insurance coverage the other day. Yeah, and both of us have been pastors, and we understand what it's like in terms of the stress of ministry, the challenges, and we want to be available to help pastors set up for quality retirement. And, David, this is really comprehensive, isn't it, as I suggest, that it's not just thinking about setting money mm-hmm. aside for retirement, but also making sure that, for example, if, if the unexpected happens and there's a sudden death, will your family be cared for? Questions of this sort that are critically important to that big retirement planning picture. Absolutely. As a minister for over 30 years, we meet preachers from all over the country and one of the commonalities is they have concern about whether their family would be protected in case something were to happen to them suddenly. And we hear stories of ministers' families where preparation has not been made, and we just are so sorrowful, and there's such tragic stories that we've heard in the past. And we know that MMBB is in a position to help families always be prepared if they've done the preparation that's necessary. One of the things that might surprise listeners, and and I want to call particular attention to both those involved working for a church full-time, pastors, and for people in the pews, and that is that MMBB, while you provide retirement planning services and a variety of financial-related products, you don't charge for your services. That's absolutely true, and uh, because of our generous endowment that we have, uh, it takes care of most of our administrative expenses, and therefore there's no upfront fees or charges, which many secular companies have when it comes to financial planning. We also are concerned about ministers uh, having this sense of urgency, and I can't overestimate this sense of urgency that we need to be able to generate over this radio station and to all the listeners out there that this is something that they need to do today, this week. This is something that is a, a factor in their future that they need to take care of. And so many pastors, because of the busyness of their schedule, put things off again and again. And so time is either going to work for you or work against you. And I, and I started with our, our commentary on what happened on the Dow today to demonstrate once again that a lot of people hear that and say, I have no idea really what you're talking about. I don't know whether uh, being down just 70 points for today is good news or bad news. And a lot of pastors, I think, will, will hesitate diving in because, as you point out, David, they're not only very busy, but they're also very intimidated by all of this. And the good news is that MMBB can come alongside pastors and churches and say, let us teach you how. We'll make it make sense for you. And for retirement, for a lot of people, it just feels overwhelming, complicated. The minimum is just $50 a month to get a pastor started or a staff member in a retirement plan with no commissions. And we're able to talk to people by phone, in person, meetings at the church, in terms of making it simple. And in fact, there was a pastor's wife who was listening to KFAX last, yesterday afternoon, heard us, came to our exhibit at the Bass Convention. So any of the listeners coming to Bass, please drop by the MMBB exhibit. David and I would love to talk to you. And this pastor's wife actually was looking for David because she recognized his voice. <laughs> and she said, you sound exactly like 
you sounded on the radio. She got the information, and she wants to get her husband, Pastor, signed up ASAP. So if anybody's attending a Bass Convention, we'll be around all day tomorrow, Saturday. We'd love to chat with people in person. So drop by and meet Augie and David again. Their exhibit booth in the hall. And um, again, there's no absolutely no cost for the services. And you can get more information by going online to mmbb.org. That's mmbb.org. Or call area code 917-209-9911. That's 917-209-9911. 9911. And both of you work throughout the entirety of Northern California. So whether somebody's listening in San Jose, San Francisco, further north, you can serve them no matter where they're at. We actually work across the country, but my sweet spot is the Bay Area because I'm based right here in Castro Valley. But David works in the Midwest. If people have pastor friends in other parts of the country, we'd be glad to help people wherever. One added bonus is that for most retirement plans, you pay taxes when you take the money out. With MMBB, we have a private letter ruling from the IRS dating back all the way to 1980, which allows us to declare payouts in retirement as housing allowance for pastors. Let me repeat. Hang on to that letter. <laughs> payouts in retirement as tax-free housing for ministers, which means they don't pay taxes on distributions from MMBB, which is a huge tax savings which we could offer pastors. And some pastors have even rolled over significant accounts to us to save on taxes in retirement. The organization has been around for more than 100 years, so we encourage you to call today and get more information. Set up that complimentary appointment, 917-209-9911, or online at mmbb.org. Our thanks to Reverend Augie Bow and Reverend David Henson for dropping by. Thanks, guys. Good to see you both. Thank you. All right, a timeout, an update on traffic right quick at the KFAX Traffic Center. Here is the latest with Michael Bennett. Michael. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right. Welcome back to the broadcast live on location. Day number two of the annual Bass Convention. Don't forget coming up tonight, Bishop Bob Jackson from Maxwell Gospel Church will be delivering the keynote address. That'll be this evening at 7 p.m. Complete details available on the web at BassConvention.org. If you were with us on the program yesterday, we had a chance to learn a bit about a, um, a unique people group that is um, residing down in the Philippine Islands, in the southern portion of the Philippine Islands, called the Bajau Tribe. And with me today is Dan Johansson. Dan is with BajauBridge.org, who spent a lot of time working amongst them, living with them, and understanding more about not only some of the unique challenges in meeting this unique people group, but as well as some of the unique opportunities. And Dan, it's great to have you with us once again. For folks that were not tuned in yesterday, give us a quick thumbnail sketch. How did you first find yourself in the Philippines um, and in uniquely beginning to work and get to know these people. Thanks, Craig, for having me. Uh, I lived in the Philippines for 10 years. I'm a Castro Valley native. I uh, had the opportunity to do campus ministry in the Philippines, and I came across quite a bit of poverty in my time there. However, when I encountered the Bajau people, and we're talking about over a million sea dwellers uh, throughout the Philippines, when I encountered this tribe, I realized there was a whole level of poverty that uh, I was not aware of. We're talking about um, homes that are over the water. These are stilt huts. And traditionally, the Bajau tribe has relied on fishing for their livelihood over the centuries. However, with overfishing and the 
cities becoming overpopulated, fishing is no longer a viable uh, option for them. And so what, what's happening is these sea dwellers are increasingly uh, forced to beg and bring their children to the cities to basically survive off of the scraps that people um, provide them. So I, I saw that, and I saw the children playing underneath their huts in the water, and which, by the way, is where their sanitation goes. There is no proper uh, place. There's no sanitation infrastructure for these tribes. And so you have children playing in uh, raw sewage. You have um, a, a community that is predominantly illiterate and unable to really uh, integrate themselves into society. They really have no other option other than to beg. And so when I saw that, I, I realized uh, there's no way I can turn my back on that, and uh, that's how we—that's when we started Badger Bridge. What, what, what strikes me about your story, then, is the fact that this is not a small people group. We're, we're talking at least at, just in that region of the Philippine Islands, nearly a half million people. And you mentioned to me last night that NGOs, um, United Nations, no real relief organization has taken this challenge on. And it is a challenge in the sense that it's not only meeting um, nutritional needs, but clothing and, most importantly, educational needs. That's right. Uh, I think nothing but the best of all of the wonderful child sponsorship organizations that we know. In fact, I, I, was, uh, I was working with Compassion International for, for years. Um, however, in as much good work that they do, they're yet unable to adapt any of their programs into these sea-dwelling communities, which is just a really uh, difficult place to implement a program. And when I realized that that wasn't happening, that and along with the fact that I came to find out that a number of well-meaning church groups have come and gone and taken photos and maybe have done a project here and there, no prolonged, sustained effort was ever implemented in these communities. And, you know, that's really what it requires. If this was easy, it would have been done. And we put together an effort uh, based here in the Bay Area to raise funds to get these kids into school. And it's a holistic approach. We're, we're not just looking at their education, but spiritual nurture as well. Uh, and so we started that about eight years ago. We started with five kids. Uh, and what started as a small beginning, it, God is blessed. And we just reached over the 200 uh, mark in terms of the number of kids that we're getting into school. So you're using your education, a literacy program that's everything from instructing on the Bible to meeting spiritual needs, certainly the, the baseline educational tools that they need in order to, to have some opportunity, because you mentioned their challenge has been as they've essentially fished out that region, uh, they have to begin looking for other means of supporting themselves. So in this holistic, multifaceted approach, you've been able to create a plan that is unique not only to this people group but to their needs. And what struck me as remarkable is for as little as $20 a month, someone can come alongside a Bajau child and provide all the basic necessities that they need. That's medicine, clothing, education, and uh, really every aspect to, to give them an opportunity at survival. That's right. Uh, you know, we, we started thinking, that, well, how hard could it be to get a couple of kids to school? Well, we, we discovered when you're working with Bajau, it's not just about getting them their school uniform and a pair of shoes that they've never owned before. We ran into situations where uh, a child with a, a simple ailment such as pink eye, conjunctivitis, 
would be unable to go to school and because they didn't have any money for antibiotics would just be at home for three months as the infection ran its course. We can afford $3 in antibiotics to get that girl back into school within three days. And so we discovered the multi-pronged approach really is the most effective approach. And because we have nearly zero overhead here in Castro Valley, we're able to use people's $20 a month to get it over into the hands that need it. And so our, our program manager manages that, and, and we, we get kids uh, a healthy, nutritious lunch every day, and, uh, and even anything else that's preventing them from getting to school, we're helping them to overcome those obstacles. And for folks to know that as they partner with Magel Bridge and support through child sponsorship a child every month at $20, that the vast majority of that money is going directly to the program in the field. And I guess the, the big question before we give the website and urge people to go online and become supporters, the big question is, what difference are you seeing? Well, Craig, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, uh, we, we've been losing children to preventable diseases every year since we've been doing this. We actually have a, a, a but in our budget funeral expenses for children. And as I uh, recounted to you the story yesterday that you know we we had to bury Loella last year, an eight-year-old girl who who died of something that was preventable. Yet uh, we just weren't able to get uh, ahead of it, and the hospital care that she received um, just wasn't enough. It it was it was so tragic that um, w the hospital wrapped her body in sheets and handed the body to my program director and the mother of this child and said, you know, we don't have any way for you to bury this child. We stepped in and, and obviously took care of the burial expenses, but you know, we would very much like to eliminate that line item out of our budget in the coming years. And this child sponsorship program will literally save the lives of kids. If we can get them into school, get them the proper medical care that they need when they need it, and get them a, nu a nutritious lunch every day, uh, that's going to go a long way towards saving lives. This has been a people group in the southernmost part of the Philippines that has largely been unreached until now, and yet Dan has come up with a very effective multifaceted program to not only address the felt needs, but most importantly the spiritual needs as well. To become a child sponsor is just $20 a month, and you can go online to badjowbridge.com. That's B-A-D-J-A-O bridge.org, badjowbridge.org. And, uh, again, they can set it up on their credit cards, so their giving is easy every month. You just automatically charge their card for $20. You'll send them information on the progress of their child so that a donor can really get a sense of their gift going to make a huge difference in the life of a child there in Badjah. That's correct. And uh, you'll get some correspondence from the child as well. Uh, we send out, uh, they make Christmas cards every year, and we'll give them an update around uh, June as well. Good stuff. Again, online at Badjow Bridge, B-A-D-J-A-O Bridge.org, Badjow Bridge org, And we appreciate so much, Dan Johansson, for stopping by and Thank giving us for, an update. Thank, Thank you, Dan. Good yep. to see you. All right. We're coming up on quarter before the hour. Let's get an update on traffic once again. Wet, rainy, but you know you want to get here, so get here nice and safe. And to help you do it, we've got the latest with Michael Bennett in the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right. Welcome back to the conversation. We're just here at uh, 10 minutes away from the hour of... 6 p.m. live on location from the Bass Convention. Don't forget the keynote is tonight at 7 o'clock with Bishop Bob Jackson, and you can get more information about this conference online at, it's easy, 
BassConvention.org. That's BassConvention.org. If we were to take a bit of a survey here in terms of how you felt we were doing as a church, as a nation, I would suspect as we began to talk about some of the challenges that we seem to be facing, the one thing that we would almost universally agree upon, and that is that we seem to suffer from a lack of qualified leadership at so many levels. And I think historically there's been a misnomer. I think there's been this understanding that leaders somehow come along, they're kind of organically planted, they sort of mysteriously emerge from the ether and become leaders. And yet I have to wonder if maybe the problem with today's leadership is that we've taken just that approach, that rather than the notion of somehow things organically growing on their own, um, that instead we can actually instill in them values and encourage them, implant in them many of the the skills necessary for young people to become successful leaders. Joining me now is Judith Addington, and Judith has a major passion for this very issue. She is with Cool Cats Lead and on the web at coolcatslead.com. And Judith, welcome. You know, it, it, it dawns on me, we talk about this issue of, of leaders kind of accidentally happening, sort of organically happening. I kind of equate that to like a, a, a weed in the garden. Weeds seem to kind of come up on their own, whether you want them or not, and yet the beauty that we find in flowers and in plants, they're the ones that we need to water, we need to fertilize. And so it seems like anything that just sort of happens by accident is a weed, but the ones that you have to coax into blossoming, those are the ones of value. Those are the plants and the beautiful flowers. And I would suspect that maybe leadership is the same way, isn't it? It really is. Uh, Leadership is learned. Leadership is not just planted, it's learned throughout your life. And I do have a passion for leadership. And uh, leadership traits begin to emerge in children between ages 6 and 10. And we're losing, we're losing kids because they don't know who they are. They don't know their identity. They don't know their gifts and talents. They don't know what they're good at. They don't know the values that are involved in leadership. So my project is really to help children find out who they are and become who they can be in Christ. You know, it's interesting because historically I think of leaders that used to be mentored and you could see people sort of emerging as you would say, gee, this guy really seems as if he's got or she's got leadership potential. Do you agree that we've kind of reached a point now in history where we've not given enough attention to nurturing young leaders as they're emerging to giving them the tools and skills that they need so as a result in this sort of haphazard fashion that we've approached this we look around us and say well today we seem to be in a leadership vacuum i agree with you totally we are in a vacuum and it's because we haven't focused on the values of leadership vision is the hallmark of leadership integrity honesty wisdom creativity inclusiveness courage all of those values are leadership skills and those skills are biblical leadership is really biblical so um, what I'm trying to do with my products um, is to share the language of leadership with young people and their moms and dads and you do it in a fashion and I think this is key that makes it fun Yes. Makes it engaging and interesting so that this doesn't become, oh, my goodness, this is this really academic, boring thing, but rather helps to to bring out of children 
some of the God gift, God-given gifts and talents that they have and then add upon that by giving them the tools that they need to grow that leadership, whether we talk about them eventually growing up to become leaders in the world of business and finance or in politics or in the church. Well, I say every child can be a leader. Every child has a special gift. You can be a leader in one area, in the arts, or a dancer, or um, you know, a janitor. You could be a leader in that area. But what we need to do is develop potential in children. We're not focusing on developing little human beings. We're focusing on children regurgitating facts. So I think leadership should be in the schools. We should talk about these values. We should talk about um, what each child has in, in internally. So I'm really developing uh, inner strength, inner leadership, inner confidence. And a lot, a lot of people see leadership as the president or a rich basketball player, but that's not what a leader is. A leader is a person who has a purpose and a goal and uses his skills to the utmost. And when you use your skills to the utmost, you um, make change, you impact people. And so I see leadership, young people, being our next generation of leaders. And we need to be teaching them this. We do indeed. And there's a word that you use that, that, that I want to kind of highlight, underscore, italicize, put in bold. And that is you use the word values. Oftentimes, I think if we were to take a study of people in terms of what they would acknowledge or recognize as failed leadership, almost without exception, those failures, be it in the church, in politics, or in business, is because of a lack of a strong values foundation. And so they fail in leadership, usually because of a moral failure. Why? Because they've never been taught that biblical foundation from the very beginning. Very often. I think that's very true. And and I also say that uh, leadership is not a program, it's a way of life. So you have to look at what leadership really is and define leadership is really inspiring the whole child intellectually, physically, socially, emotionally, and spiritually and developing their potential so they can use those skills in the real world. And, you know, the other thing is there's a lot of research. Um, for example, uh, depression in children has doubled since the 80s to the 2000s. And uh, 77% of children are bullied. Suicide is the uh, second cause of death in children. And there's a reason for these things, is we're not giving attention to the child. And uh, I have chosen to focus on leadership as an umbrella. Your background is in child development. Child development and leadership. And I have an undergraduate degree in child development and a master's degree in urban planning, but I'm a social planner. And, and this social planning is really equipping. Equipping. And the equipping that you do, you don't do it, as we say, while there's strong academics behind the approach, the methodology that you're employing is through games and things that children will find engaging and entertaining that will not only capture their imaginations, but capture their hearts as well. And that's very intentional, isn't it? Very much. In fact, um, that's the focus of a lot of this. It's emerging as a major focus is we need to develop the heart. If you don't change the heart, you don't change behavior. So everything I do is based on um, assuaging the heart, moving the heart. And I call it Cool Cats because I want it to be fun. Cool Cats, super leadership for kids. And um, so it's cool to be a leader. And so we have books, 
um, fun books, card decks, word puzzles, posters. You know, I'm going into a calendar. So we can show kids different kinds of materials. They learn in different kinds of ways. But, you know, the schools are not really talking that much about values and who you are as a human being. So that's why I say also leadership is not a program, it's a way of life. So indeed, we want not only our children to grow up to be leaders, but we want them to be leaders that have the moral compass, that have the biblical foundation, that will guide them. Because leaders, let's face it, are trendsetters, they are decision makers. That's right. And so do you want the decision maker to be doing that in a values vacuum? Or do you want the decision makers of tomorrow within church, within government, within industry to be leaders who have a sense of of moral direction and a sense of right and wrong? Very definitely. And that's really what we want. And yet, as you point out, Judith, we haven't taken the time to really intentionally nurture those values. And so you've done just that. You've made it easy for parents and educators to be able to engage kids in a way that they'll find is fun and exciting and yet be able to walk away with additional strengths in those leadership qualities that we'd like to see in all of them. Um, we mentioned that you've got a exhibit booth here. Yes. Folks can come by, take a look at a lot of the resources, and again, just look her up, Cool Cats Lead, and you can visit the uh, the uh, exhibit booth and, and visit directly with Judith. And then online, too, many of these things are available for purchase by parents. I bet they're really good for homeschooling parents. Homeschooling. And for educators as well. After-school programs, inner-city uh, programs, schools, educators, yes, moms and dads. And in addition, Judith, to when we mentioned the card games, we mentioned some of the things that, that really gets kids' attention, uh, do you also provide instruction materials for for parents and for teachers so they can get an understanding of what this looks like and how to impart these values? I have a uh, user guide. I have um, Now I'm going into kits. We have individual products for sale, but I'm also putting the products in kits and I have a user guide for each of the kids. So this would be great for Sunday school, for homeschoolers, really much, uh, any kind of an application. Any kind of an application. And if you want to get more information, again, we invite you to come by and say hello to Judith at her exhibit booth here at the Bass Convention, or check her out online, coolcatslead.com. That's coolcatslead.com. Do you envision a book in the future here as well? Very definitely, yeah. Good stuff. Well, we appreciate you taking some time to be with us today, Judith. It's dynamite stuff. There is such a need for this today, and I think uh, parents that are listening that homeschool or parents that are listening just say, you know, uh, there's no such thing as giving our kids too much advantage today because they face so many challenges, so many disadvantages. There's so many conflicting messages that are out there. To be able to help instill some of these values, no, not every child has to grow up to want to be president of the United States. Sometimes the leadership skills that they'll learn is just important for them to use as the leader in their home That's right. or a leader in their church. So these are values that are universal. And uh, one more thing I'd like to mention is that the research says is when we, maybe I mentioned this before, but when a child uses their potential to the utmost, it changes their behavior. They're happier, healthier, more confident, have healthy relationships. And we're really developing a child 
not someone who just regurgitates. Well, and you facts. mentioned, Judith, about the rates of suicide and depression. And, you know, show me a child that's struggling with that, and I will show you a child who has no sense of self-value within Christ, who has no sense of self-worth, who doesn't have any confidence. Mm-hmm. So there's so many layers of this that can really be advantageous to your child. We want to invite you to come on down, meet Judith. Are you going to be doing any seminars here, workshops as uh, well? This is my first year here, okay. so um, one of the people here asked me to do a seminar workshop next year, so I'll consider that. Excellent. And we're fairly new. The company is fairly new since last August, so I plan to be doing that, workshops and uh, seminars. Well, we wish you much continued success in your you endeavors, and we invite you folks to go online, coolcatslead.com. That's coolcatslead.com. And our thanks to Judith Addington for being with us. Judith, good to meet you. Thank you very All much. right, 6 o'clock from KFAX San Francisco. Get a look at traffic for you here. Back to more of our live coverage from the Bass Convention, bassconvention.org. Right now, some live coverage of traffic on your ride here from the KFAX Traffic Center, the latest with Michael Bennett. Michael.